Throw me the ball and watch what I do with it. You are now tuned into the Cherry Picking Podcast with your host, Andre Cherry. Hey everyone, thank you for downloading another very special episode of the Cherry Picking Podcast. I'm your host, Andre Cherry, and on today's episode, my good friend Casey Kane stopped by to record a very special holiday episode for you all to enjoy. For those of you that want to listen to the pop culture stuff, find that one, because that's what we're about to chop up and speak a little bit about. (laughs) It diverts a little bit from the college football topics that you're used to hearing from me, but we have fun nonetheless. We talk about pop culture. We talk about holiday traditions. We talk about 90s TV shows. So there's a lot to enjoy. There's a lot to listen to. And I hope that you have fun listening to this episode during your holiday break. Hope you stay safe this holiday season. And I appreciate you being a friend of the show. I hope you enjoy this. Casey and I were actually talking about putting together a collaboration or joint podcast together sometime in the future. So look for that in 2021. But I hope you enjoy this podcast, and I can't wait to talk to you all very soon. And you can find all my content at cherrypickinsports.com. You can follow me at Twitter, at cherry underscore picking. But without any further ado, I hope you enjoy this podcast that I recorded with my good friend, Casey Kane. Hey, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to a very special edition of the Cherry Picking Podcast. I'm your host, Andre Cherry, and with me, my good friend from Be More, Casey Kane. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm good, man. But uh, Casey, thank you for uh, spending a little bit of your holiday with me today for us to to hop on this podcast together. My pleasure. I have some surprise topics that I'm going to throw at you that we haven't pre-discussed or anything like that. So I'm going to capture some uh, spontaneity from you and um, we'll have some fun. And uh, yeah, man, how are you? Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to having some fun with you, man. It's It's been a long time since I've, I feel like I've seen you last. Uh, yeah. We did do a podcast over uh, YouTube not too long ago to promote your book that just came out. But it's like, I just feel like every day is kind of just like the same routine. And we're trying, we're like almost getting back to how it was in the, the start of the, the pandemic. So yeah. it's like mentally, I'm just trying to get back to that place to just, you know, power through each day. So this is definitely a welcome break, man. So first surprise topic I'm going to throw at you. As you can see, if you're watching the video feed, I have a foul ball in my hand that was caught at the Camden Yards Oriole Ballpark here in Baltimore. Have you ever caught a foul ball at a baseball game? So I've never, I've never caught a foul ball. Uh, my good friend Mike, he used to work the grounds crew at the Cubs uh, on Wrigley Field. Yeah, and Mike so- Mantuka. Oh, okay. So yeah, my, my good friend. He was, on my, uh, he was on my uh, Pony League baseball team in uh, high school or something like that. Good yeah, kid. Man, good they're kid. a good, good family, man. They're a good baseball family. He was on um, Undercover Boss. Uh, there's an Undercover Boss episode with Mike as uh, on the Cubs ground crew. Yeah. Yeah. Ch- sure. Check that. Check that out. Uh, Undercover Boss, if you're watching or listening to this podcast over the holiday break, a good friend that I grew up with. His uh, Mike's brother Joe Mantuka was on that show. Oh, that's with, right, Joe. It was Joe. Yeah, yeah with with Todd Ricketts, and uh, yeah. it's a really memorable episode. You should check it out. But they were my next door neighbors. I grew up next to the Mantukas. 
That's a good American family. So, yeah, I've never caught a foul ball before, but Mike Mantuka tossed me a ball up in the bleachers when I was out there watching the game, like in the the beginning part of the game, like the pregame warm-ups. Wow. And he threw it to me. I caught it. I was excited. Never had, like, a, a foul ball catch or a home run catch. But then there was a little kid next to me, and he was really, you know, really trying to clamor for a ball. And so I ended up giving him the foul ball that my buddy gave me do it. just to be a nice guy because it's usually – I feel like you got to give it to the kids. Like, if you're a grown adult, you got to give it to a kid you that's do around it. you. That's a smart move, you know? Yeah, well, to be completely straightforward with you, this wasn't <laughs> technically a foul ball. Um, time to come clean here. It was uh, – I was at Blue Jays – Orioles game like two years ago and there was no one in the stands at all it was like one of those empty middle of the week games I love going to in Baltimore back when fans were allowed and uh, the Toronto Blue Jays starting pitcher had just finished warming up and he just tossed it into the you know just ran like towards a couple fans and I just snagged it and uh, there wasn't any kids around I swear I would have given it away they always say what are you going to do with the foul ball when you get home that's why you should give them the kids but I keep it next to my desk and like in just in the middle of the day you know when I'm problem solving or whatever I'll toss it around just kind of gives a good vibe you know it's uh it's an official major league baseball with uh Rob Manford's signature on there the only other time I've caught a ball quote unquote caught a ball was uh at the Red Sox spring training in Fort Myers Florida He's another, again, a pitcher. This guy, Paxton Crawford, when he was done warming up, and I was younger, this was like in middle school, he just tossed it and, again, snagged it. So I got two under my belt. I feel like in many ways the pandemic really shows you, like, who your, who your friends are, who your neighbors are. Like, it, uh, the pandemic has been revealing in a lot of ways. But I also feel like to catch a foul ball or a home run ball, it really is an indicator of, like, who you are. Because yeah. I've seen some crazy catches where people have like dove over other people or like kind of jockeyed to get a ball. Like it, like it only happens for like a few seconds, but like in that, in those seconds when you're like waiting for the foul ball to come or the home run, home run uh, ball to come your way. Like yeah. you see the realness in people. Like you see people getting shoved. You people, you see people scrambling for like a ball. Like it just, it's kind of crazy. And babies will be getting dropped. I've seen. <laughs> Babies get dropped or, you know, some guy will be holding a baby in one hand, catching a ball in the other hand. You know, in my time watching Major League Baseball, I think I've seen it all. My favorite is seeing a guy or or a gal like holding a beer and then they don't drop the beer and then they catch it. Or I've seen where like a guy is caught. Don't spill the beer and catch a ball. Yeah, he's caught. He's caught the ball in the beer and then he's just chugged the the cup. I think that happened at a Padres game. So I mean, it's crazy, man. That's hats off to even get the two balls that you had, even though you say they weren't technically foul balls. I mean, that's that's the closest I'll probably ever get to that type of experience. I remember when Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa were going for the home run record and even Barry Bonds a few years later, man, before they were like persona non grata for the steroid use, they, and you could talk all day if that's warranted or not, but bottom line was in that time period when they were up to bat and there was a chance that someone in the crowd could catch a ball that could be worth millions of dollars, that was some high stakes stuff. 
Yeah. I remember the kid that caught like Mark McGuire's 62nd home run was like a St. Louis groundskeeper. Speaking of St. Louis, I mean, speaking of groundskeepers and he, um, you know, he caught it and was like a nice guy about it. And uh, even though it was worth like so much, he just like gave it to like Big Mac. He was like, Oh, he gave it back to him? Chase gave it to Big Mark McGuire and like was like, you know, it's for the fans, it's for Hall of Fame. He's like a nice guy about it. He wasn't greedy or anything. And they had him on like the Tonight Show and stuff. But yeah, that was back when like if you could catch a ball at a certain time, you could become a celebrity and a millionaire. Now, baseball (laughs) has not. That's just not what baseball is anymore. And that kind of speaks to the decline of the American pastime, in, in all honesty. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. No, I agree, man. It, it definitely was a fun period of time to grow up. Like We were young kids in that period with Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire, even Barry Bonds. And it, it was fun. And I know, you know, if you're a purist of the game, you know, cheating and, and the steroids is something you don't want to have reflected upon your game. But as a fan, as a young kid, it was, I thought that was what baseball was always about. Like all these dingers, you know, all these big name uh, athletes, like just crushing bombs and you don't really see it as much anymore. And it just was a, it was a fun period of time. Yeah. I guess is all all I'll say on that. I love baseball. I love it forever, but it's, it's like not as popular as it once was. I feel like. Yeah, man. I, I, uh, I'll look back fondly on the time we went to, I went to Camden Yards for the first time with you, actually. We saw the Orioles play the, the Blue Jays for WWE night. And I'll never, I'll never, I'll never forget it, man. I was and, hoping there would be more action, dude. I was hoping that like Randy Orton would come out during the seventh inning stretch and RKL someone, but there, it was what? just videos that they just did like video montages i think and it was like, like a free t-shirt but like it was there was a catch like you had to like sign up earlier or something i don't know it was man if i'm running that ballpark night and it's wwe night i'm going crazy like i'm gonna yeah, bring man. out randy orton <laughs> give me give me randy orton or give me like kane me, or somebody that's like relevant. an old school washed up guy i don't even care man yeah man well but it was still I, fun Awesome. Yeah, man. It was a good time. And hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll have a chance to go back hopefully maybe next year, you know, if things go well with the virus and the, yeah. it's just, it's just crazy, man. And so, yeah, we'll definitely have to plan something in the future for sure. They're telling us in Pennsylvania to stay with our immediate family. So there's so many traditions on Thanksgiving. And before the show started, you were talking to me about the parade. Yeah, I just I'm curious, like what your traditions are, what you did today, man. Well, I like to watch the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. My grandma was a big fan, and um, she used to love it, and I used to watch it. Probably my two favorite holidays have two televised events that I consider legendary, and one of them, of course, is the Thanksgiving Macy's Day Parade, and the other one would be the Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Championship on Fourth July. Yes, yeah, so those two televised events are like there are that holiday. So I got to at least see what's going on with the Nathans, and I got to at least see what's going on. I got to check in with my parade, man. And I got to tell you, they did a great job with the Thanksgiving Day Parade this year under the circumstances under which they found themselves. Because, of course, you can't have a traditional Thanksgiving Day Parade where all the fans are up against the you know street and on top of each other. That's not gonna fly in 2020 in the midst of a pandemic. So what they did was, 
out in front of the Macy's store on Fifth Avenue, you know, the big Believe sign on the Macy's and all that, they, they would park out a either a performer or they would park out like a big float or then they would have maybe like a quick drive-by with a, uh, with a balloon. And it was cool, man, because a lot of the, I think what happened was a lot of the parades over 2020 that had gotten canceled, such as the West Indies Parade in New York, such as the LGBTQ parade that they do. I think all of those big celebrations did get canceled traditional parades so they brought like a little bit of each of those parades that got canceled into this year's macy's thanksgiving day parade so there was a lot of entertainment a lot of diversity and it was awesome man i enjoyed it me and my wife we popped it on this morning um and then of course you had the traditional type of floats i mean you know it's funny you can you have a young child. I do not have kids. So like, I, I kind of, I see what's hot in the, in the young kids game right now. Right. So Paw Patrol obviously is big. Um, yep. They had a balloon, you know, they had the turtles, the ageless teenage mutant ninja turtles, man. And they obviously, they look a little more like modern now, you know, they got like a little newer vibe than the, the turtles that you and I grew up with in the early nineties, but it's still the same franchise and they're still going strong. Let's see other big time things. Diary of a wimpy kid. I know that's big right now. They had a balloon. Uh, that's like a big book I think going right now with the kids and then uh, SpongeBob always reliable, never disappoints. SpongeBob is bigger than ever. He'll never go away. He's about to drop a movie like I think oh, really? next year. Not only that, is he got he's gonna drop a movie, SpongeBob, killing the game as always. And he's also has a TV show coming out soon that's about his origin story. There's gonna be like a young SpongeBob TV show about like how he killed it in like elementary school. It's gonna be awesome, dude. <laughs> dude SpongeBob's been on for like 20 years, I feel like. And SpongeBob it just is a legend, dude. They keep churning out episodes. I, I actually saw those those voice actors at comic-con like a few years ago oh yeah and it's just crazy because some of those people that voice those characters you would never match the the face to the to the voice yeah. so it's just crazy the the talent they have and shout out to spongebob dude he's just dude, killing I the love game seeing <laughs> the franchises that can last over other over multiple generations and um you know to turtles for sure spongebob for sure you Simpsons. know multiple generations of kids have watched up and have 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 grown up and watched this content and um, another one is uh blues clues blues clues was out there doing this thing and the macy's dude thing. i just we were just watching blues clues today and it, i remember steve the original like the original steve he like if you gotta like look into his story he retired he retired, he re he retired but like look into his story because there's some interesting youtubes on him of like people thinking he was dead and like all this like guys that yeah rumors always are floating about him because it's like crazy <laughs> crazy stuff but now the guy i think his name is josh and so uh josh Dela cruz i think is his name yeah, he's a new school guy yeah yeah new school but still the same vibe like you had you had the salt shaker paprika like blues himself like you had all those people that were integral to the original blues clue show when we were like yeah. little kids and it's just crazy to see that it just it continues on man good it content on. 
some some of these tv shows are flash in the pan and they don't have the lasting staying power but certainly you know there's some ogs out there that are still doing their thing and that's awesome i'm actually surprised that like nickelodeon when we were like 90s nick I'm surprised some of those shows didn't like turn over. Like, you know, you, you have obviously Keenan and Kel, like they grew up, but like some of those brands from the nineties on Nickelodeon, dude, yeah. like that was the best content ever. And it's like, they can't replicate that same magic that they had in the nineties. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy to like turn past Nickelodeon today. I don't even know really any of any of the shows on there, like in, for kids, like in the, you know, young demo. Yeah. I don't know what what's hot on that channel. Well, the animated series are what, you know, can last because they don't have to deal with people growing up and that type of thing. So, you know, people get older. They're not really the same network kind of star. But do you know that uh, back in the day, I know you're a big Family Matters fan. You like that show. But I just, I guess when we, when it first dropped, we were so young. I didn't realize that. Steve Urkel wasn't on the like original cast. Did you know that? He he wasn't. He wasn't on the original cast. And I actually was watching it not too long ago during the during the pandemic. Yeah. Like the original open to the show. Yeah. I like I'd never heard the original musical open and it was like long, it was like two minutes. I was like, damn, this is like a different feel. Condition, the this day and age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was it was just like crazy, man. But yeah, Urkel was just supposed to be like uh a one-time guest or like a, you know, three episodes. Urkel stole the show and they're like, we need this guy on every week. He, he blew up, man. And there's a hilarious key and peel on that. Like Google that. Like I, I uh, quote some of that stuff to this yeah. day. The key and piece. Key yeah. and peels. Have you seen it? I'm talking about? No, but I want to see it. And also I have a question for you. Yeah. Did you know that um, the whole show family matters is a spinoff. Yeah. Oh, I know this. Don't tell me. So uh, it's a spinoff of, I want to say, Perfect Strangers. Was it, was it, it the was. wife? It, Harriet. It's, it's yeah. ba- Harriet was an elevator operator is what I heard on a show. And I guess yeah, Perfect Strangers. And they- you, you remember Perfect Strangers at all? That, that, we were like a little outside of that. We were way outside of the demo. But we, I love that show, man. I love old television though. I, I I like I love it, man. I um I don't remember that show though, but I I was flabbergasted to learn that Harriet was a spinoff. Yeah, Harriet, she blew up. So it was supposed to be on their family, and so Family Matters had a run of I want to say like over ten. It had to have been like ten seasons, man, from start to finish at least. Probably for longer than that. And I think the original Harriet actually left because it got to a point where she was like, look, I can't do this anymore. Steve Urkel just like vaporized my family. Like this is supposed to be the plot. Like I thought it was supposed to be like a good, wholesome, blue collar, like Chicago story about this black family. And like you got Urkel in here turning into Stefan. You got <laughs> Urkel. <laughs> you got Urkel like doing all these hijinks going back into time with Cliff. And like it's just... I think it just, it became too much and it must have fractured, you know, what the original intent was supposed to be. And yeah. I mean, they got their money though. I mean, props, they got their money, but. Did they, they jump did. the shark? Harriet did. I'm, I'm telling you, Harriet jumped like towards the end. Cause I think. It, Do you I think know it, what the expression jump the shark means? What does it mean? 
it it was a reference to an episode of happy days where they um, were going on for so long and they were running out of like fresh ideas so they had a plot line where the Fonz literally jumped over a shark in like a water ski like in water <laughs> skis so that it's a it's an expression now it's like if if someone's real desperate at the end of you know a run of a show or or a franchise or something and they're trying to get attention to it and they make kind of like a hail mary last desperation heave to the end zone to try to make it work they'll quote unquote jump the shark like happy days did so when they brought out stefan as steve urkel you know when steve urkel would go to like this like time machine thing in their basement and turn into like this romantic guy named stefan <laughs> i think that was an example of like them running out of ideas and jumping the shark i think you're right because they up to that point, you know, it's Steve Urkel all the time, but it's like you're introducing another character. So all the possibilities for this character, who's the same character, uh, Jalel White, it's like they could go in so many different directions. So it probably prolonged the show by like a few seasons, because I want to say at one point it was just Stefan. Like Stefan was primarily the dude because he was dating uh, Laura Winslow. Yeah. Uh, so like, that show was, you know, primetime 90s TGIF, but I'm sure, you know, it wasn't what it was intended to be, yeah, which yeah. kind of sucks because the audience likes Steve Urkel, but I'm sure the writers and the people on the, on the cast and the staff had a different direction originally, you know? For sure. Well, I got a little, a couple more surprise pop culture type topics to throw at you. Hey, everyone. We have to take a quick time out, but you're listening to my podcast with my good friend Casey Kane. And we will be back right after this short break. What's going on? It's Casey Callan, host of the Characters of Boxing and Beyond podcast. I'm here in beautiful Charm City. And I just want to remind you about a new book from Clear Contender Media. It's called How They Got Their Billions. We're exploring the business stories of pro football's 32 NFL owners. Every NFL team is worth well over a billion dollars these days. Some NFL owners amass their fortune through inherited wealth, oil exploration, but other stories are more far-fetched than fiction. So this new book, How They Got Their Billions, by me, kind of exploring the different path that all of today's 32 NFL owners took to acquire their fortune and team. So definitely check this book out. It's available right now clearcontender.com slash books or you can find it on Amazon and uh, have a good one everyone want to know what life is really like after the game is all over real athletes are here to share their true stories of adversity and triumph every week on after orange slices even if you don't like sports pro athletes former college stars celebrities coaches public speakers doctors and all kinds of experts join the show and there's a little bit of something for everybody Join me, Bridget, for a slice of inspiration, plus your everyday sports news sprinkled in. New episodes every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, available anywhere you get your podcasts. Yeah, yeah. I want to make sure that our audience appreciates the college football content, because that's why they came here. Oh, that's yeah. why they're listening. You should probably cut this up and put that at the beginning, because Blue's <laughs> Clues and um, what was the other thing we we're talking about? Like turtles, man. Yeah. You know, hey, if you can't be a well-rounded individual and appreciate all that fun stuff, yeah, I feel sorry for you, man. I love it all. But I yeah. love it all too. The one thing I want to say about the turtles, though, I wish it was. I still wish it was like the '80s turtle look, where it's like the live-action turtles, 
Dude, like the turtles are evolved, man. They're like yeah. different. They're totally different. It's CGI now. It's like, I'm good, dude. That 07 Turtles movie with Michael Bay, I never saw it, but that wasn't really my type of movie. <laughs> I, I don't know. I like the um I like the Jim Henson puppets from the 90s. 90s. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, the 90s. Like I want that original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, like just replicate that. And yeah. I would like love it. I'd kill. I'd kill well, to watch it. You might have to like cut this up because yeah, we talked pop culture in the beginning, but um I'm down to talk some college football because as you know, that's the point of this podcast. For those of you that want to join the bonus podcast, the pop culture one, you're going to have to figure out what link that Andre Cherry's putting in on this tweet or this podcast because we got some pop culture stuff we still got to pop on. For those of you that want to listen to the pop culture stuff, you know, find that one because that's what we're about to chop up and speak a little bit about. <laughs> Yeah, man. We good. So what uh, what you got for me on the pop culture, man? Oh, okay. So boom, back to the pop culture talk. Coming out of a break, cherry picking podcast. You know, it's not just college football. We like to dive into the pop culture realm and like to talk about some some fun memories of yesteryear. So I was wanting to pop this question to you. I'm going to throw out you know, for people that are our age, you're talking in your 30s, early 30s, maybe late 20s, that type of age. What were the three CDs or cassettes, if you didn't have a CD player, that you had growing up? And I'll drop three, and I'm going to challenge you to answer with three more. (laughs) So if you're of our age, graduated in high school in the mid-2000s, you know, if you're in that age group, you definitely had at least one of these three albums. First one, Space Jam soundtrack. You had to have that one. Okay. Quad City DJs, dude. You know about them? <laughs> no, I don't. Space Jam. They wrote that jam. Okay. Uh, not just I Believe I Can Fly. There's more to that awesome soundtrack. There was one on there that was like... I can't even I can't even uh, sing it, but it was like you want a jam. Yeah, is that yeah. the one. And then you got I got a basketball Jones. You gotta love that soundtrack. Oh yeah, not yeah, just man. I believe I can fly. There's more to it. If I can, yeah. if I can say. And then all right, so another one has got to be. You got to have this one, Jock Jams Volume Two. <laughs> yeah, man. Jock Jams volume two. I did, I did. I, we did have a Jock Jams. Yeah, it was like, it, we started like Jock Jams volume. volume. I think volume two was the best selling one. And okay. I remember in like fifth grade or whatever, you could put in, like, you could play a CD in music class. Like, the teacher was like, encourage, you know, she encouraged the students to bring their own CDs in. And then she'd pop it in and then be like, we'd listen to the CD and maybe talk a little bit about it. And Andy Greenwald, my buddy, who uh, he brought in, I guess like it was like a surprise, you know, it was like, okay, did anyone bring in a CD today for us to listen to in music class? And Andy was like, yeah, I got one. And it, I didn't, I don't think, I think it was kind of like dramatic, like you didn't know what it was going to be until you press play. And so Andy goes up, you know, has the CD, you know, we don't know what it's going to be, pops it in, hits play, and it just goes, 
I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. And it was just like that bass was like, do, 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 do. You got to get up. Like, you got to respond to it. You know what I mean? Like, Dude, we hear that. turned our whole classroom into like a nightclub. It was wild. It was <laughs> and then, yeah, the third CD that you had to have had as a kid growing up is Hootie and the Blowfish Cracked Rear View. That was the biggest selling album of like 96, I think. And Hootie and the Blowfish, they were like big sports guys. I always, like, they had Dan Marino in their video throwing touchdown passes. They were always wearing like, you know, sports teams gears. And uh, Darius Rucker still around today. He's killing it. He's like a country music sensation. So I think those were the three CDs and or tapes you had to have. When I was growing up, and now Andre Cherry, I'm gonna throw it to you on the spot. You gotta give me three. So I wanna get back to that Hootie and the Blowfish thing. So when I was in elementary school, a janitor was like, you look like Hootie. When I was like in first grade, I'm like, what? And actually the, the drummer, I wanna say the drummer went to Naperville Central. So he's a Red Hawk man. Yeah, yeah, he, he went to uh, your high school, yep. They actually, they were, the, they were the headliners at the Naperville JC's last fling. In like 2011, do you remember that? Um, I do remember they played some local fairs and stuff. Like it, there was a time period between Hootie and the Blowfish being the hugest band on the planet and Darius Rucker's singles career just being massive. And like yeah. in between that, there was a time period where they were playing like you know like city fairs and stuff and like county fairs and stuff. So I think that's when like they were on that. I don't want to say decline, but that period between. Hootie and the Blowfish, just being the biggest band in the world. And then there was that huge gap in time, like before Darius Rucker took off because he had that hit Wagon Wheel, that famous song we all like to sing along to. And um, between that time, like people were like, man, they were like shitting on Hootie and the Blowfish, dude. Like I remember the Simpsons, like they had a thing that was like, they had a joke that was like, and it's totally, it's, it's just such... You know, it's such nonsense because, dude, Hootie and the Blowfish was legendary. How are you going to yeah. shit on them? Anyways, the Simpsons put um, a joke in one of their episodes. It was like, Bart was like, they were like getting blank tapes. Remember like blank tapes? <laughs> and then Lisa was like, oh, can you get some of those blank tapes for us out of the bargain bin? And, and Bart's like, no, I'll just grab you some Hootie and the Blowfish tapes. They're cheaper than blank tapes. <laughs> I was like, come on, man. Oh, man. That's, that's a legendary crazy. band. That's crazy. That noise to Hootie's house? Come on. That's crazy, dude. That's that's hilarious. You put me on the spot, man. I mean, I can tell you like the three CDs that I had personally. Yeah. And three CDs that you had, three CDs that you think people of our generation, you know, had to have. So the first CD that I ever purchased was for five dollars from my good friend Mike Mantuka. We were just talking about him. He had when we were growing up in the nineties, the big thing was burning CDs and burn, you know, burning CDs for other people. So he burned me a copy of, of uh, Limp Biscuit hot dog flavored water. Oh, and wow. so like I paid him $5 for it. I don't even know if I truly wanted it, but I, I got it. And um, I, I've always been interested in the, in like the, the story of Limp Biscuit and like Fred Durst, because I feel like when we were kids, Jacksonville, Florida, I think they were huge though for a period. Like everybody was like, they were like down with Limp Biscuit. And then it, at one point it just like 
nobody nobody liked messing with Limp Biscuit anymore. Like it was, yeah. you were kind of like a loser to to talk about them or to think about them. In a lot of ways, they're a joke now. They're butt of jokes, and I just don't understand he was when the first it, one I ever saw wear a red Yankees hat. He wore a red a red Yankees hat backwards. Yeah, right. Like that was back when like you can wear a hat that's not the right color of the team. That's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, like these, these, and then that's that's when all the other teams did it. Like the Cubs have red hats and like yeah. green caps. Like I, yeah, I'd never seen that either. Yeah, I think he was one of the first that ever had that kind of new era hat, like of a different color. Uh, Method Man and Red Man, I feel like did that too. He must did he blow up like New Era? Like is that when New Era really like blew up? Blew up? I don't know, but they were big, man. Limp Bizkit was big, and they had. Uh, Three dollar bill, y'all, was their first one, and that had the George Michael cover of Faith on it that went big. But yeah, um, what else? That's a good one. Hot dog flavored water. What a ridiculous thing! But like, yo, for real, I'm gonna get back to that. There, there are tracks on there with like DMX with Red Men and Method Men. Like those are bangers, man. I still play those today. But uh, that's one CD that I had. Another CD that I had was. T- <laughs> was- Another CD that I had was David Sanborn, saxophone. I don't know who that is. <laughs> so it was like almost like a Kenny G, man. He's like a oh, Kenny G type guy. Smooth jazz? Yeah, smooth jazz, man. So he these were... Was, no one can complain about that, you know? These were CDs that I had and that I was allowed to have in my household. Oh. Because I was, uh, I'm an African-American kid. Growing up in a household, it was like the Cosby Show, dude. I couldn't, I couldn't have like hardcore rap music in my house like that. Bang, oh, I can't, shoot. I can't bang, I can't bang those those tracks like that in a in a black household. You, mean you weren't listening to the Ghetto Boys and uh, uh, what's the other one from like the original rappers was uh, Rappers Delight, <laughs> <laughs> like Sugar Hill Gang. Yeah. You're talking about? You couldn't at least give us give you that. No, I'm saying I could listen to that, but I'm saying I couldn't. I'm not gonna be. I don't. Know, I felt it. It felt it was kind of weird that like some of my, you know, Caucasian friends would be giving me stuff to listen to, and it's like I'm thinking in my head, like your parents let you listen to this stuff. Yeah, like, it's all different strokes for different folks. I mean, some parents were like Tipper Gore, and you couldn't listen to anything with bad lyrics. Some parents were just like whatever he wants to listen to. It's all good. Some parents were a little mix of both. You could buy edited versions at Walmart, I remember. And that was kind of like, like if you popped in a Nelly CD that was bought at Walmart, like half of it or a DMX, like half of it would be blanked out. So you weren't yeah. even really getting the full effect of the music. The most, the most embarrassing thing, Casey, that to ever go through as a little kid was when you're you're singing the tracks to an edited version to your friends they're like what are you talking about dude it's ass not butt like what you, like they would just they would there's like, worse than that dude there's crazy clown dude when you're you're saying the edited version and they're singing like the hardcore rap i oh i've been several times been in that situation as a little cherry well, picking at Madison junior high school that's interesting i like i like hearing about how your parents viewed music and that type of thing. So yeah, so you weren't so you weren't really allowed to listen to that that serious in your face rap. Dude, anything with cussing, that's a no-no in my house. I mean, and I st- I don't even curse in front of my parents now. You know what I mean? So it's like that's that's how real it was. But to answer your third your the last one you asked me about, probably would have to be Nelly 
Nelly's Country Grammar was a, a banger when we, we were in like junior high school. That had some good tracks on there. I think like EI was on there, was one of my favorite tracks. Country Grammar. St. Uh, Louis, dude. The St. Lunatics. It's interesting if you look back on the history of rap because it's not that old of a genre. And like earlier when it first dropped in like honestly like 79 with the with Sugar Hill Gang and then you know like Ghetto Boys in the 80s and then even the Fat Boys. Do you remember the Fat Boys? Fat Boys are fat. That's some yeah. I feel yeah. like back then and I might be wrong but I feel like the lyrics were a little more clean. They, it was definitely clean. I don't. I don't remember hearing curses in no in those, in all those artists. I think I honestly think there was a changing of the guard in like '91 when um, Two Live Crew came out, and then yeah. it was kind of like okay. And then NWA was around that time, and and then it was like it was just a it, you know like any other art form it evolved. Yeah, I love I love music. I just I'm not gonna be listening to like rap with my parents. Like I just. Your Not parents gonna... had some ground rules and you respected them. I mean, so I was military, man. So like my parents were in the Air Force. So it's like, I still call them, yes, sir, no, sir, you know, yes, ma'am. So it's like, that was definitely not a line that I wanted to cross as a young kid. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the first album I had was, you know, Let Limp Biscuit, like smooth jazz I love. Um, and then Nelly is, you know, he was really hot when I was like a little kid. Those would be three for me personally. You know, but there's awesome. certainly other other albums that you should you know certainly listen to, like you know Michael Jackson. Pop, I'm thinking of like pop. Um, you know, he had some some bangers, but yeah, the, the, for me, Nirvana, personally, never mind. Nirvana, yeah, for sure, man. Rest That's in peace, Kurt Cobain, dude. Well, we had to do a little pop culture because you know I like talking that stuff. We got to get uh, Jeff Schwartz on the podcast. Oh, you know Jeff? Yeah, I told him I'm trying to like do a podcast with him, man. He's he a big He knows fan. his stuff. We'll have to have him on. <laughs> we we will. What was your last one, dude? Uh, I said three. Oh, no, what was your last? Did you have another question? No, that was it. Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll definitely, we'll get Jeff on here. We got to think about doing our own little pop uh, podcast, dude. Yeah. It can be whatever we want. We need him as, for our movie guy, Third Mike. Yeah, man. Jeff is an interesting dude. I still, I text with him a bunch still. So thank you all for listening to this episode today. We have my good friend Casey Kane on the mic. Casey, thank you for your time, sir. Always. Stay safe, stay sane. And until next time, I'll talk to you soon. Be safe, Take everyone. Take care. Fat boys are fat. That's some fat boys are fat. That's some fat boys are fat. That's some yeah. <laughs> thank you again for tuning into my cherry picking podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe to my show and drop me a rating on Apple Podcasts. All of my digital content can be found at the website cherrypickingsports.com. And if you are looking to interact with me via social media, my Twitter handle is at cherry underscore pickin. That's P-I-C-K-I-N. On my Twitter, you'll also find a link to my blog where I post my weekly college football predictions and analysis. I can also be reached via email at cherrypickingsports at gmail.com. Please feel free to reach out to me regarding what you like about this podcast or about what content you'd like to hear more of on future episodes. I sincerely thank you for your support, and I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Take care.